This episode of the Insurance Coffeehouse is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for the more insurance details. Insurance Coffeehouse, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global Insure Tech Series. My name is Nick Hoadley, and each week I'm going to be interviewing a leading insure tech executive to find out more about the technology opportunities that are there for the insurance industry, whether that's for brokers, carriers, or direct to policyholders. And I'll also be looking at and exploring the different career opportunities available for people from within the insurance industry. So please join me each week as we learn more and we discover what advice they have for insurance leaders looking to make that move into an insure tech or a startup business. Today, I'm joined by Brett Dyson, who is the co-founder and CEO of Hepstar, based down in South Africa. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thanks, Nick. Um, it's great to, to be part of the insurance podcast season. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure, Brett. Really looking forward to hearing more from you and learning more about Hepstar today. Before we begin, would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit more about your background, the work you do there at Hepstar, and then that most important question of the morning, what's your go-to coffee of choice today? Fantastic. Um, so interestingly enough, um, my background's not tech. So I'm actually a, a chartered financial analyst and a, a chartered accountant. Funny enough, I always thought I'd be an investment banker. Um, so one of those guys on, on Wall Street working for Goldman Sachs. Yeah. And luckily, seven years ago, I got approached by an angel investor to, to start Hepstar. And I haven't turned back. I absolutely love what we do. I also sleep at night like a baby. I'm still a human being. And yeah, it's definitely, I think, a, a direction that's worked really well for me, particularly in, in the startup environment. So for me, I guess there's one way of putting it that tech is the rest of my life now. I don't think there's anything else I could do. In terms of, of Hepstar, we are a global business-to-business-based APR technology company that bridges travel tech and insure tech. Uh, specifically focusing on the online travel environment. We facilitate aggregated travel ancillary products, uh, which includes travel insurance and the optimization of the products we serve to, to travel partners through a, a single integration with our API. Okay. So essentially, we make the lives of our partners easier. A single integration where they can access a range of travel ancillary products rather than having multiple integrations. It also helps that we have a, a proven track record of increasing our partners' average revenue per booking by more than 15%. In terms of coffee, I'm a, I'm a big Americano person, black. <laughs> um, and I typically like sort of strong coffee. So, so I tend to, to lean towards beans from Colombia yeah. um, or, or Kenya. But yeah, I, I am a massive coffee fan. So I think this is right in line with me. A nice strong coffee to start the day. And I, I was just sharing with you before the show that my coffee machine at home actually had a, a Cape Town pod this morning in the drawer. So I thought that would be only right with you joining us on the show today. So uh, I can't go wrong there. Great. Thank you so much for that, Brett. If you could now, yeah, if we can just explore a little bit more about the business, about Hepstar, that'd be 
Fantastic. So if you could give us an overview of what, what you do predominantly, I know within the travel insurance space within the insurance sector, if you could give it, us a snapshot of what you do and, and where the business is now. Um, I think that, you know, for us, obviously, over the, the strong or well, the last two or three years, we've seen strong traction, particularly with global travel distributors and insurers choosing to use our technology uh, to facilitate their online travel insurance offering, um, which has been very positive. However, there, there has been something called COVID, um, which has really <laughs> impacted everyone. And our business has been impacted significantly. But we've been very fortunate with the partners that we've been able to onboard over the last 12 to 15 months. And we recently recorded more than 180,000 transactions in May this year, our biggest month by transactions to date. Would you mind, Bray, yeah, giving us a little bit more of an insight into the product and what the services does and how you've developed those? So I think it's best to, to give an example of how our core technology works in the, the business-to-business yeah. API environment. We love it uh, focusing, yeah, focusing exactly on, on, on travel insurance. If you go to the online travel website, cheaptickets.nl, and you enter your, your travel parameters. So for instance, I'm traveling from Amsterdam to London. I'm a single person. I'm Dutch. You then select the search button. And when you get to the ancillaries page, what actually happens in the background is Hepstar gets a product API request from the partner. We then respond with the products that are eligible for that customer in real time. So in this example, we would respond with the travel insurance product underwritten by a Dutch insurer. Essentially, the travel partner maps the front end of their, their app or website to our API response. And this allows us to serve products dynamically and to optimize the products, pricing, and marketing content we serve to the different customer segmentations. Effectively, Nick, we have control to change the products and marketing in real time without our partners having to allocate technical resources. And just a note, we are not a bunch of cowboys. So we, we have merchandising strategies that are approved by our partners. So we basically get a mandate to optimize within an approved framework. When it's uh, right. sorry, Nick, can just, yeah, can I just go back on that point? So, just clarify that. So, if I was to go onto the website to, to book a flight myself from here in the UK, not single anymore, I've, I've, I've got a fiance, but if I was to go on there, I would get different ancillary products to say a married person, a married female based in China or based in Australia, that, that they would give them different ancillary products. Would that be correct? Exactly. So it's personalized based on, on the customer profile that comes through the, the booking and it all happens in real time. Important to note is that the, the data in the quoting process, so as you're searching for flights and you've quoted ancillary products, it's all based on anonymized data. So we don't know, Nick, your name, surname, email or ID number. We just know the parameters of, of the booking and that's taken into account in our engine. We would then respond with, with products that are, are eligible for your type of profile, depending on um, where you're flying to and from. Of course, there, there could be a range of, of different uh, merchandising strategies that we've deployed. There could be multivariate tests, traffic splitting, et cetera. But in essence, you, you are 100% correct. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, Brett, in, in terms of the, the partners that you work with, the travel insurance companies, the airlines, the travel companies, what, what are the key benefits for them? So 
I think when it and what I'll do is I'll I'll split this up because they they're two very different perspectives here and and I'll focus a little bit more on the insurers uh, in the context of our our podcast today and um, but very briefly for the the airlines online travel agencies so basically travel distributors um we provide them an an aggregated content solution or, or technology to to access a range of travel ancillary products through the single integration and then we also optimize the content that's offered to to their customers in real time. So the big benefit to them is, of course, they they don't need to do multiple integrations. They're able to offer their their customers (laughs) personalized uh, products. And and this has a massive benefit, both on on the cost side when it comes to the technology. And then also, you know, we've got a proven track record of of increasing our our travel distributors' average revenue per booking. So it's really a a win-win situation. Uh, for the travel distributors. When it comes to the insurers, it's a little bit more interesting as well. So for insurers, we we give them a, a full end-to-end solution for offering their travel insurance products in the online travel environment. Uh, we host their, their products, marketing and pricing within our platform and facilitate the, the offering of their products in, in online travel partners, websites and apps. Uh, this includes providing fulfillment mechanisms for, for policy documents to the end customer and reporting on, on all sales across the various channels uh, where their products are sold. We also provide optimization services within this framework to the insurers. So for instance, launching merchandising strategies based on different customer profiles or segmentations using anonymized customer data. Uh, Like the example we spoke about, Nick, uh, performing multivariate testing on products, marketing content and pricing, uh, triggering specific products for for specific segmentations and running traffic splits for for different merchandising strategies. We also have our own in-house recommendation engine. Um, We are although launching a second iteration in in 2022, which takes into account more complex parameters. So what you'll find as a tech company, typically what happens is you evolve over time. So um, it's really something what I would refer to as as potentially a a product feature enhancement um, with a mix of, of, of tech debt because as you you introduce more features you, you obviously need to take that into account um, with some of your 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 core platform features for insurers which don't have online capabilities uh, we also have a, a white label business to consumer e-commerce technology uh, to allow them to sell their product directly to consumers and then Lastly, but not least um, we are also currently building out our, our claims functionality uh, which is busy being trialed internally and we have some insurance partners who who have already subscribed to to using the technology fantastic and in terms of your insurance partners that you work with are they mainly based there in in south africa or are they global international businesses so they they mostly are predominantly global. Um, so Hepstar is a, a global tech company. Um, so we actually active with with our products across all all the continents globally, except for Antarctica. Um, so we pretty much work with online travel distributors across the globe. And from an insurance perspective, we work with I would say you know seventy or eighty percent of the the big global insurance providers. Mm. Um, in saying that, we also do work with local insurance providers. So. You know, an example is, um, you know, one of our partners required travel insurance content in Nigeria. 
you know, so we, we, we started a discussion with an insurance provider in Nigeria and now we serve their content for, for this particular partner. So it's both global and it's also localized. We've got that flexibility. I think what's also important to note is Hepstar is independent. We're objective. We're not owned by any insurer, which means we can work with any insurance provider. Fantastic. I'd really like to get your thoughts, Brett, on how you see the insurance market, particularly the travel insurance market, change over the next five years. Clearly, it's had a massive impact as a result of COVID and the the lockdowns, the pandemics, people being unable to travel, people having to claim a lot more on their insurance policies. But I think coming out of the pandemic, people are going to be even more aware of First of all, number one, having travel insurance in place where previously they might not have had it. And they might be even more aware of actually getting into their policy and making sure they're covered for what they want to be covered for. So there could be some real opportunity there. How, how do you see the market changing over the next few years? I think it's I think it's an interesting point. I think we, we're going to see a couple of things. I think firstly, you know, just attachment rates of insurance. So an example in the travel space, what we've seen typically, and, and maybe just before we get to the, the attachment rates, is that we have absolutely seen a, a shift in terms of the distribution of travel, obviously, mm-hmm. with COVID. You know, so we're seeing uh, across the board, we're seeing more people take, you know, bus trips, train trips. There's far more domestic than international for obvious reasons. So there's been a, a downturn in flights, of course. And that's something that, that I think in the short term is something that we will see for a while, probably the next 12 to, I don't know, maybe 18 months. But but over the medium term, people will start taking flights again because of the, the, the convenience side or, or aspect, at least for, for someone who's traveling. When we, when we look at attachment rates, that has been really interesting. So I think a lot of people have realized you know, that you can't really travel without travel insurance now. Previously, people would rely on essentially, no, nothing will happen, or they don't understand travel insurance, or they've got a credit card, which has got a, a really simple base travel insurance cover. And a lot of people have been found out during COVID. They've they've had to cancel their trips. They, they haven't been refunded. You know, they've had medical situations, which haven't been covered under COVID. So there's a lot that's happened. And, and I think going forward, when people travel, it, it will be one of the, the items at the top of their list, you know, have I got travel insurance, you know, the immediate thing I think people will think is, remember what happened with COVID, I think I should get proper travel insurance that's going to cover me for medical, you know, if something like COVID happens, or if I need to cancel, if there's a government travel ban, am I covered or the airline cancels. So I think that that's going to play quite a big role going forward. Uh, in terms of our analytics, we've seen a, a 20 to 30% increase on the attachment rates, um, which, which clearly shows that, that I think the market is going to move that way when people travel. Uh, but in saying that, I think it is a little bit too early. You know, it's it's. I think it's one of those problems of human beings. Sometimes we can be goldfish. So we we only remember something from maybe sixty days ago. But I do think that that it will uh, result in 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 more travel insurance. When it when it comes to the transparency of products, absolutely. You know, I think it's something that people are a lot more aware of. You know, they'll be looking out for exclusions like pandemics and, and whether COVID is covered. And it's actually, I think, one of the areas that, that when you look at travel insurance, particularly going forward, there will be a lot of focus, I think, on transparency, um, on automation of claims uh, for customer servicing, um, and in particular for getting more real-time data to assess risks faster. 
Um, I mean, when you look at COVID type of situations, the general response from global insurers was, was quite slow. Uh, so hopefully they become more adaptive and agile in the future, which I really think that is the way it's going to go. And already we can see, obviously, with, with a lot of the travel insurance policies that are coming out, that uh, insurers are covering COVID and these sort of pandemic type situations. But it, I, I would say that when when you look at a pandemic cover, typically they won't cover pandemics. They'll just list COVID because it's just really too broad. If you were to cover that type of risk, your travel insurance would maybe be four or five times the amount it, it is. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Brett. Leads us very nicely on to the espresso round today as questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you like a, a strong black coffee. Are you ready for an espresso round? Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. The espresso round. Brett, what percentage of your employees there are from an insurance background? We roughly have about 20 to 25% um, of our staff that's, that have insurance experience, with the balance being predominantly from an a e-commerce background. Yeah. And what value can they bring to a business like yours, having a, a high-performing in, insurance career behind them? Whenever... Well, I guess, you know, whenever we start the recruitment process, we, we typically look for, for candidates who either have an insurance or, or e-commerce background, but it really depends on the role that's available. Typically, candidates with insurance experience uh, provide value when it comes to the insurance verticals um, that we're either building out or, or we're considering for launch. And the experience in terms of product creation is, is something really invaluable. So an example is, you know, as we build out the, the claims module functionality, or we're looking at custom pricing engines for, for new products, for instance. Absolutely. And what personalities would you say are best fitted to a business like yours? Generally, candidates should be open um, to expressing themselves. I think this is really important. Um, so be straightforward, you know, have the ability to be frank, but respectfully be competent, have low levels of hostility, be able to work in an ever-changing environment. Uh, you need to be able to think outside the box. And then mm -hmm. I would say, you know, finally, and, and probably most importantly, is, is to have a team mentality. Fantastic. And in return for that, what the opportunities do you think that you provide, particularly for people in the insurance industry? Perhaps they're in the insurance industry at the moment, considering working for a technology business like yours. What would you say the opportunities are there? Well, we our, our sort of approach is, you know, when it comes to growth opportunities within within the team or Hepstar, we first look internally because, you know, our philosophy is essentially to ensure our team members have the opportunity to grow, provided obviously they they have the potential to to fill that specific role. When when obviously they don't, we we do look for for more suitable candidates you know, within within the insurance environment or e-commerce environment. I know at the moment we, we are looking um, for data analysts and, and we'll probably be looking for, for some more product owners as we move forward. I think that, that for us, obviously, it's been a little bit tricky with COVID. So we, we're going through that recovery phase as, as the travel market sort of recovers. We recover as well in terms of transactions, cash flows, revenues, etc. But definitely, I would say towards the end of the year, we'll be looking for, for data analysts, product owners, and, and also potentially team members to, I would say, join our account management function within the team. 
What would you what would you say would be the different opportunity being a data analyst for a company like Kills compared to being at a, at a insurer carrier? I think the difference is that typically when you work for a corporate, you ring fence into a specific role. So this is your job. This is what you need to do. And you need to execute on that. When you're working within a startup environment, or I would say, you know, Hepstar, which has become a little bit more mature within the, the travel ecosystem, is that you may be a data analyst, but you're providing input into the tech, you know, into the performance reporting, uh, into the the products which are well product mix which are offered to customers. You're given the opportunity to essentially sit at the table and, and give your opinion. And we also, you know, have a, a firm belief that that anyone can put forward an idea. Or, or something that they think could be interesting for, for Hepstar and the products that we serve. So it really does become a lot more broader than, I would say, a, a specific role that, that you would get within a corporate environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. What skills or experience do you see lacking when someone's moving across from a big corporate in the insurance industry? What are some of the things you see that, that are lacking? I think, firstly, experience. In e-commerce environments, uh, it's a big thing. It's really lacking, to be honest. And, and it's difficult to find candidates with e-commerce experience combined with insurance, funny enough. And, and also, you know, e-commerce, it's, a, it's really a different world to the traditional way insurance is distributed and the way products are created. So that would be, I would say, the number one thing which is is lacking. And then secondly, across candidates, you know, the ability to think outside the box and work in an environment which is constantly changing. Uh, typically, when you're in a corporate environment, people get used to that environment and, and they know what they're getting themselves into. When you when you enter a startup, you, you, you can have a job spec, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you don't know what you're getting yourself into because it becomes more and more over time. And, and I think that's the really exciting aspect of it, that you, you're, not, you're not just fixed to, to one aspect of the business. Brett, if an executive or a leader from the insurance industry is looking for a move into an insurtech startup, what preparation do you think they should be doing in order to be successful? Now, just for our listeners here, we're, we are actually moving on to a video. So Brett's sharing his screen with us. So you'll be able to see this on LinkedIn. We'll, we'll, we'll post this for you on LinkedIn so you can see the visuals. But hopefully you should still get a good idea from, from what Brett discusses through of us right now. Thanks, Nick. Well, my advice would be to start investing in your technology knowledge base. It's a different world to traditional insurance. Uh, you can start with the basics. There is a lot of content online, uh, which executives and leaders can watch. I would also start exposing myself to startup networks and accelerators, going to networking events and extending your, your network within the tech world. That's definitely a, a good base to work from. The biggest thing I would say is there is a mental shift between corporates and startups. So I've got a, a quick little guide uh, to help everyone to assess whether you would be able to excel in a, in a startup environment. So firstly, if you don't have a team mentality, then startups are not for you. There is no political bureaucracy in startups. No one cares if you sent an email at 11 p.m. I just <laughs> care about have you done the work? There are no no's in startups. Uh, you wear many different hats. Uh, you will be thrown in the deep end. So enjoy it. Your days are challenging, but every day is different. If you are scared of failure, this is not for you. 
if you don't like people or working with people, then this is not for you. I'm going to move this up a bit for the guys. If you believe you are special and have a gift unknown to mankind, <laughs> please show me uh, because I have not seen this before. I would be absolutely intrigued. Breaking the norm is part of the startup life. So embrace the change. Get ready to fight with your heart and, and soul for the product you believe in. So best you believe in the product. I cannot understate this enough. If you aren't invested in the in the startup or the product they're serving, I would not I would not be involved in that startup. It, it's really an emotional ride. So it's a really, really key aspect. When times are difficult, you, you ride the wave together. Uh, you are a family and uh, you're all in this together. And then last but not least is be a human being, you know, show love, emotion, uh, respect and kindness. These, these are not considered weaknesses. Great, great. Thank you so much, Brett. I, I really think all of those points are, are, are great points and very good considerations for anyone who is considering that move at the moment but is not sure whether it's for them or not. I think particularly around the product, believing in the product, I think that's such an important part of the process. Certainly when we are hiring, uh, particularly at senior level for, for our insure tech partners, that is a key thing because if, if the candidate doesn't believe in the product, they're not going to be able to, to sell the business, promote the business and give their all for that business to really make the difference there. So 100% agree. Brett, we've almost reached the end of our time today in the insurance coffee house. Before we go, there's a couple of things I want to ask you. First of all, we've, we've learned a lot about what the product does and about what the business does, how it benefits partners. What's the philosophy and what's the culture behind the business? It's and I think that's a I think that's a, a great question. The the technology is really built on the philosophy of of you know offering products that are, are relevant and provide value to the end customers. You know, offering the, the same product to all customers, which is also known as a static product, mm. is not in line with, with the evolution of, of future generations, in my opinion. You know, for instance, millennials, they want relevancy, they want products which are more suited to their needs. Just an example, Nick, imagine you are allergic to peanuts. Okay, I'm going to try and sell you these peanuts at a 50% discount. Are you going to buy the peanuts? I'm certainly not going to buy those peanuts, no. Exactly. No, you're not going to buy them because you're allergic to peanuts. But if I offered you a mango, you might buy the mango. So for us, product merchandising strategies should not revolve around price testing alone, mm. but should also be based on offering the right product mix to customers. And that's really the core of, of Hepstar and, and every feature we, we build out. It's about offering the right products to the right customers, essentially at the, at the right time. When it, when it comes to, to the culture of Hepstar, you know, we, we really do take a, a, a very, I would say, focused, well, not focused, but a team-first approach to, to everything that we do. You know, business is business. You never make things personal. And we treat everyone, you know, the same, essentially, you know. For me, it's 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 like a big family, and it's worked for us. You know, we we've successfully pushed forward. You know, over the last two or three years, and and our development output is extremely strong, along with our our product output. And and I guess one can't underestimate culture. You know, when it comes to senior executives, we we are not dictators. You know, we essentially give our our colleagues and employees the opportunity to think. We we don't micromanage. 
our team members. You know, we fill roles with people that are intelligent and we expect them to use their brains, you know, essentially. So for us, that is a big part of how we move forward. And when it comes to the recruitment process, that is something that we we look at because at the end of the day, you want people to be able to give their opinions, their ideas. But in saying that, you know, you can you can pull something across passionately and respectfully, or you can do it the other way. And we typically have more of a open environment where it's respectful, but we allow people to show their passion. Great. Going back to the point previous, if they're all believing in the same philosophy, if they all believe in the product and the services that you offer, then you're all going to pull together as one. Brett, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And if people want to reach out to you after this, how, how would they go about doing that? I think for me, Nick, the, the, the biggest thing for, for anyone considering the startup space, which is, is not for everyone, is to make sure you can make the mental shift. And mm-hmm. it's an environment that you will be happy in. You know, it's I've provided the, the the sort of evaluation guide to yourself and, and the Insurance Coffeehouse podcast team. And I definitely think it's it's worthwhile working through and, and making an honest evaluation introspectively, you know, whether this is the right space. There is nothing wrong with saying, I enjoy corporates. I like the structures. I like the fact that I know what I'm going to be doing, you know, every day. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. For me as an individual, I prefer the space I'm in. I, I prefer an agile environment where things, you know, change. You always challenge. Things move very quickly. So, so that's I guess the the last piece of of closing advice um, for anyone looking to transition. Anyone would like to get hold of me. You're welcome to contact me on LinkedIn, Brett Dyson. And then I think from from my side, Nick, just a, a big thank you. Uh, to to you and the the insurance coffeehouse podcast team for the opportunity to to share my experience and and also all the best to to those insurance professionals who who are looking to transition into to the startup world. Awesome, awesome! Thank you so much, Brett. I think I, I speak on behalf of the listeners that I'm I'm sure they would have gained an awful lot of learnings, not just about the business and what you're doing there in the in the travel industry, but really about what they should be considering and really what makes a successful person within a insurtech startup. So, thank you so much. It's been a real privilege to have you on the show today. Thanks, Nick. Only a pleasure. Brilliant. And to all the insurance and insurtech leaders out there, whether you're listening the UK, the US, or wherever you're listening across the world, we thank you for joining us today. And I'm sure you would have got a lot from what Brett's had to discuss. If you do enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and download the shows so that you receive each of them into your podcast app each week. And remember that this is the Insurance Coffee House global InsureTech series. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.